Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. It is game day. Not game week. Game day. Not practice. Game day. We're not talking about practice. We're talking about a game. I'm so excited. It is wonderful, wonderful time to be a college football fan. I woke up today ready to go. I was like, oh my yeah, gosh. you are amped up. I am I am fired up. And that's not just because I saw Beyonce and Jay-Z last night. I basically saw Beyonce tell to the world, Jay-Z cheated on me, and I am the queen of all things entertainment. I am fired yeah. up because Texas A&M and Northwestern State are kicking off SEC play tonight. I am ready for it. Okay. I mean, I was I was more fired up about the, the Jay-Z Beyonce thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would have loved to have been there just to see how awkward Big Pimpin' would have been after the cheating and breakup songs. He did Big Pimpin' before that. So that was smart move. That was good. That was weird to think that that sounds like 20 years old. I remember watching that video on MTV when I was way too young being like, what's Pimpin'? Um, <laughs> fun fact. Unbelievable show. I did check out Camping World Stadium a few days early before Alabama. How was Louisville. it? Uh, it was pretty great, and good news, the grass is not going to be killed like it was at Williams-Bryce okay. uh, after the Jay-Z and Beyonce, or Beyonce and Jay-Z, let's be honest. Queen B is first. I've noticed you that twice now, yeah. Always. No. Um, but yeah, so don't have to worry about the grass because it's turf, So as we found out. So we are going to get to that. We're going to talk about all the headliner games this week. We've got our picks against the spread that we're going to get to. Um, just all of your week one's coverage that we're gonna we're gonna run through a bunch of these games and kind of break them down. Uh, some headlines that we're gonna get to as well. But before we do all that, we've got to talk about our friends at Ticket City. SDS is excited to partner with Ticket City for all of their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years, and they are still a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games couldn't be easier when using Ticket City and they have the best prices. We're gonna make those prices even better for you. You're gonna use the promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10 to get 10% off your tickets now. Whether it's for this Saturday, opening weekend, or any time this college football season, get your tickets now on Ticket City. So, maybe you're looking for some last minute tickets to go see Texas A&M. Maybe you're in College Station. You're like, hey, what do I do? That's what you should do. Go to Ticket City right now. Let's talk about Texas A&M because they get the spotlight tonight. Jimbo Fisher's debut in the SEC. He's going to have a, a very favorable matchup in the opener, so we're not going to spend a ton of time breaking down Northwestern State. I think we State, should. But I think we owe it to him. I mean, do we know where Northwestern State is? Have we figured that out yet? So it's in Louisiana, and again, the only way, reason I know that, I think they played Mississippi State last year or two years ago. Okay, I mean, maybe. they're basically playing DeVry. Yes. Or like ITT Tech. Don't don't hate on ITT Tech. They do a lot of great things for people who are just in that in-between. Oh, okay, I'm not going to get yeah, into I was that. Like, what? what is that? They have a terrible <laughs> football team. Um, no, I, th- I think I said it on Monday. Northwestern State is like probably the best D1 football team that's located next to a Quiznos in like a strip mall shopping center, like sandwiched in between maybe like a nail salon. Right. I think they beat Iowa in the NCAA tournament like 12 years ago or something, and it was a huge upset, and I remember them being a, a Cinderella team. It, I could be mistaken. I don't know. Actually, the inventor of SpaghettiOs uh, was an alumni from there. All right. You did your Wikipedia research. Totally, totally made that up. Okay. Well, I believed it, so let's just pretend it's real. Um, so one of the things that Texas A&M fans are going to be watching very closely is, of course, 
Kellen Mons starting, beating out Nick Starkle, which, you know, maybe eight months ago when Jimbo arrived, we didn't think that was necessarily going to be the case just because of how right. Starkle finished the season. I think pretty much any Aggie fan could agree that Texas A&M was a better team with Nick Starkle on the field last year. Yeah. But Jimbo Fisher didn't pay attention to the body of work. He didn't care about the fact that Kellen Mond was 47% passer against Power 5 teams last year, 5.5 yards per attempt. Those numbers are going to those, need those to Those are improve. all bad. Those, those are not good. Um, that much we know. But it's, it's interesting because Mond is someone who... Um, is going to get this this opportunity to be Jimbo's guy, and we talked about that a little right. bit a little bit the other day. Um, but I was curious about that, so I, I asked Jimbo Fisher uh, on the SEC coaches teleconference call yeah, about hold on. some of this Let, stuff. Let's let's pause for a second on that. You just casually dropped in yesterday. You're like, yeah. By the way, I asked uh, Jimbo a couple of questions, and I was like, what is happening right now? Do you not know what the SEC coaches teleconference is? It's the best thing in the Connor, world. Connor, I've been cleaning my baseboards, moving out of my apartment all week. I had no idea we could just call Jimbo Fisher whenever we wanted to. No, it's not, not exactly that. It's every Wednesday. That's, well, that's but, how I took it. That's how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go moving forward. Let's so. just pretend it's like that and I have more intel than I actually do. Like that. So Jimbo like basically officially announced it um, yesterday on the teleconference because it was reported by 24-7 Sports that Kellen Mond was going to be the starter, but he confirmed it right. on the, the teleconference. And I wanted to ask him just about this you know, this maturation that, that Kellen Mond has had to go through in the last eight months because everybody talks about Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher's offense being way more complex, and he demands right. a lot of his quarterbacks. He makes these calls a lot more intense than what they, what they are in a typical spread system like what Kevin Sumlin runs. And he said just the, the understanding of the why has been the biggest thing with, with, with Kellen Mond. It just understanding that there are reasons to get rid of the ball a lot quicker than he was even running a spread up-tempo system and that's not getting sacked yeah not getting your receiver in stride um overall progress as a football player and quarterback those are all good reasons yeah so um i actually made the 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 comp to deandre francois to jimbo assuming that he had already gone there just because both DeAndre Francois and Kellen Mond went to IMG Academy. Right. Uh, there, you know, DeAndre Francois was the starting quarterback for Florida State at this time last year, where Jimbo Fisher was, of course. So I thought that he would kind of, you know, have that already in his head. And he's like, "Oh, I actually, never thought about that." I'm like, uh, "That really? is mind blowing to me." Like, really? <laughs> ever? I, like, I did not once? break that news to him. There's no way. Honestly, man, I got down here. We, we got a conversation, and I just hit the ground running the whole time. I mean, I, I put my cowboy boots on. I've been running around, been doing the sway thing back and forth. You ever seen that sway thing they do right there? Pretty impressive. No, Jimbo. No, not at all. You never made that comparison. <laughs> it's Jameis or nothing. It's a. Uh, it's pretty incredible the the year that that Kellen Mond has had. In that last year, he had that collapse in the opener against UCLA in the second half, where he was just deer in headlights, as we we were kind of talking about last week. And now he's going to get a chance to uh, to just start a new a new chapter in his career. That's why he stuck around College Station because he likes the work that Jimbo has done with his quarterbacks. And now this is uh, this is his stage to be able to get off on a completely different right. note than what he did last year. So Aggie fans are expecting some big things tonight, I would assume, right? I mean, it's hard not to when you open up with Northwestern State. Yeah, yeah. Have we figured out what their mascot is yet? Have we gotten there? I'm pretty sure it is a toaster strudel. I could be wrong. Okay. I'm going to no, let that we... sit. I'm oh, gonna, it's I'm... an Aggie. No, wait, no, that's wrong. It's New Mexico State. Yeah, New Mexico State is definitely the Aggies. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out by the time uh, game rolls. Or around. we won't. Or Who we cares? won't. And yeah, let's let's be honest. Um, but I look forward to that broadcast on SEC Network, and 
how they're going to tell us that Northwestern State actually has a chance of, of hanging around in this one. Um, they're the demons. Oh, okay. That's Herm Edwards <laughs> would not be a fan. Response. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the demons of Northwestern State. That is, that's not, right. there's no alliteration. That doesn't make, I don't get it. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on because we have nothing else about Northwestern State. Uh, but speaking of Jimbo Fisher, he was in the news this morning and not necessarily for anything at Texas A&M, but for uh, just uh, some, 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 something that resurfaced uh, from a story uh, on ESPN.com. Um, their great ESPN.com writer, Mina Kimes, wrote a story about Jalen Ramsey. And believe it or not, Jalen Ramsey, not, not the biggest fan of Jimbo Fisher. We kind of assumed that because he did sort of call out the Texas A&M staff for using him in a recruiting graphic based on what the staff had done in Florida State. So that we all knew. But in this profile story on ESPN.com, uh, Jalen Ramsey said that Jeremy Pruitt was the only one who believed that he would start as a true freshman at Florida State. And I think that was because he wasn't that high. Was he not that highly touted coming out of high school? I mean, I, I think he was a three or four star. I cannot remember um, the story. He was never a receiver in fact that. He was de- defensive back, but he was committed to USC. So I'm assuming he was a four star. But he flipped on signing day, and the only reason was because Pruitt. Wow. That's... When you're flipping for an assistant coach, I always I always question that, and I, I think why do you why do you assume that an assistant coach is going to right. be uh, there for four years while you're there or three years, whatever it is? But yeah, Jalen Ramsey apparently was a big fan of Jeremy Pruitt, not so much of you know Jimbo Fisher. So uh, he apparently described Jimbo Fisher as okay, and then when um, that's that's incredible <laughs> when Mina Kimes uh, said that oh she's like I've never met Jimbo Fisher. And then Jalen Ramsey's like, you're not missing much. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's very entertaining. Um, and also Jalen Ramsey, to be fair, he sounds off a lot on a lot of people. He does. So if, um, if you're not getting dissed by Jalen Ramsey, you probably haven't done a whole lot. That's, well, I mean, yeah, when you say it like that, we haven't got one single review from Jalen Ramsey. Good I don't point. know if I want to read that review, Good but, point. I mean, might want to reach out to him. Yeah, I think he would come up with some sort of trash emoji for us or something yeah. like that. That's just par for the course, though. I mean, that's not saying a lot. You know, everybody's trash. Also true. Ramsey, so. Also true. Um, World's okayest podcast. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher at least got an okay. I think that's a win for him. One thumb up. <laughs> uh, one coach who's not going to be getting any rave reviews anytime soon, Zach Smith. We don't want to, we don't want, we know you guys have already heard Yikes. a lot about the former Ohio State assistant and all this stuff with Urban Meyer, but Zach Smith went on a Twitter rant and probably... Um, made his lawyer panic <laughs> and made him sweat a few uh, a few pounds off. I would assume. I mean, so uh, there's there's I, I took a PR class in college. Sick brag. And I, I remember, um, you know, one of like the main focuses of the entire course was if you're in a lot of trouble, what you want to do is maintain silence for like I don't know a week or two, and then just unload on social media and just make it completely worse. I mean, sound off, unfiltered, attack the the reporter who broke the story, attack the national media, anyone you can, really. And don't tell anybody you're going to do it. Also, post pictures of your kids. Right, because that's what's going to change everybody's opinion. If you have a profile picture of your kids hugging you that one time. Right, that one time. I mean, it's mind-blowing to me that nobody was like, uh, Zach, Zach, get the leash on, get the leash on. You do not need to be saying anything. Heal. Heal, Heal, Cinnamon. Heal. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and Urban Meyer just has to be sitting there like, 
in the hell has happened here? Yeah. Why is this my life? So Zach Smith has been known for going on Twitter rants. He once apparently tweeted at Target like 28 different times, which kind of explains why in he... In one made, visit? Oh, like in one in one long um, rant about customer service or getting something returned or them not accepting something. So it's probably not a surprise that he later switched to Amazon to you know make his purchases, <laughs> as we found out. But this rant was just all sorts of embarrassing, and I think for any college football fan who probably saw this yesterday... Um, but he called out Brett, McMur Brett McMurphy, which, you know, whatever. Of course, you're going to call out the guy who's making all these uh, reports ag against you and finding out all this information. Right. Um, but he said that this was, Zach Smith said that this was toughest on his kids, number one. Yeah, you better say that. If you don't, you're That's an even a strong bigger opening. idiot yep. than, we, than we thought. Um, but he said number two on the list of people that this was toughest on was Buckeye Nation. Two through four was not great. <sighs> two, I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like, should I say anything or just be an adult and not lose my job. And then two through four came out, and I was like, how, these power rankings are so bad. I've seen bad power Buckeye rankings. Nation, this is bad. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, he, what is it, he had, he had Buckeye Nation, he had the fans, and then, what do you have, Urban Meyer? Something like that, who, yes, this I like has how he put so punishment tough. in quotes, too. Yeah, like, uh, okay, what, what, what were you expecting to happen? Like, you have clearly just jumped off the deep end and you are not a stable individual, someone who should not no. have been in charge of leading young men, and you are attacking people who punished you and punished others for putting you in that position. That makes no sense right. whatsoever. And he keeps saying over and over that he didn't, that there wasn't any domestic violence, even though they have the text message They covered proving it up it. for years. They covered it for years, and he still went after the administration and whoever punished Urban Meyer. I, I, like, it's mind-blowing. It's, I thought his brother was like the worst this past Saturday. Gosh. And they were just, no, hold my beer. No, Think that was embarrassing? Watch this. Even had the, the, the gall to call rape survivor Brenda Tracy, who has done nothing but good stuff for the college football community, going around to speaking at all these different all these different schools, talking about you know sexual assault and, and the impact that, that this stuff has. And he had the, the gall to call her a one-sided clown. That's, this wow. is the lady that went to Arkansas and Ohio State and was like the gang rape survivor? Right, right. That is mind-blowing. Like, just the absolute lack of awareness from him and Urban Meyer, but really him. It's, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Yeah, Zach Smith, um, good, way to go. Way to help your personal brand. Um, not that you, there, there was really any personal brand to save, but uh, we do feel obviously terrible for the kids for, for going through yeah. all this. And, you know, you, you feel for anybody who, you know, like Courtney Smith has had to, to be in the public eye for something that obviously she doesn't want to be in the public eye for, but like not saying she's innocent either, not saying that, that, this, that this is all a one-sided battle or, or, or any of that, but my goodness, X Smith, I mean, just, just go away. Just stop just while you're not ahead. Just stop while you're, like, way behind. Yeah. So let's talk about something else that uh, is making people mad already. It's the Alabama schedule. We had the, um, I don't want to say, it's too early to call it backlash, but let's just call it national it voices. It seems like it's backlash. It does seem like Jalen Ramsey weighed in. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay weighed in. Uh, I do not want to see what Zach Smith yelps about this week. I mean, <laughs> Target probably. Um, so we had Alabama schedule getting criticized by people like Joel Klatt, Tim Brando, um, and no, they came Tim out. Tim Brando? Yeah, believe it or not. He complained yeah. about Bama. That's crazy. Yeah, it's first time it's ever happened, right? Um, so here's the thing: they criticized Alabama schedule and basically said. 
that having teams like the Citadel on there and you know having this non-conference schedule where it doesn't look like Louisville is going to be very good, again, it's tough to know this far out about how teams are going to be. If they catch Louisville in one different year, if Lamar Jackson just stays for a senior year, we're talking about this matchup. They're making these schedules five years in advance. Yeah. Um, these kids are like 14 when they're making these schedules. Exactly. So it's tough to criticize. Not, I'm not going to criticize them for the Louisville matchup or anything like that. Um, but what I, what I will say is that, and what I've said before in this podcast is that, Nick Saban's just kind of figured it out. It's it's not that, you know, his schedule is just difficult enough by national standards because they have this this neutral site game to where everything else doesn't really matter and people don't really take it into account even though they have three cupcake games on the schedule every single year. And, you know, meanwhile, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 only has these two cupcake games on the schedule. So, and Big 12 as well, I should throw them in there because the SEC and ACC are the only ones still playing with the eight-game conference schedule. So, they're not wrong, but what's going to no, stop? What's going to stop Alabama from changing? The current system just it, it rewards them. <laughs> so why why like Alabama's not the ones to criticize, in my opinion. It's people who have rewarded Alabama for having this schedule year in year out. Where, by the way, they're going to go 11 years without playing a road game in non-conference play. Okay, well, see, I mean, all the things you're saying make it sound worse, I feel like, than it is. So let me do my best Homer <laughs> slash uh, objective uh, way in here. So they haven't played a true road game since 2007? 2011. Since It'll be 2022 when they play at Texas, and they played at Penn State at in 2011. Penn State. Okay. So when all of this, like, the scheduling started to change, I feel like, I know in 2007 they played, their November used to be, LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn. You obviously moved the schedule to 12 games. 2007, they played Louisiana Monroe. 2008, it was another cupcake. But 2009, they moved the Iron Bowl up a day. So Auburn had a week off one year. And then one year, I think they played the FCS team. And so going to 2010, they had to play six of their eight games against the SEC when the other team had a week off to prepare. They had a, they had a bye week before they played them. Six teams. So ever since then, they've, they've completely changed like their schedule in November to having like an FCS team. But at the same time, other teams are doing this. Oh, yeah. It's just because... Auburn's doing this. Arkansas has two FCS teams. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it's brutal, though, that, that we're, we're led to believe that this is a universal schedule, that, that we can make all things equal. Like, I just don't like the, the belief that, um, that Alabama is playing the same exact schedule as the other top five teams they just don't have to we have not right. gotten to the point yet because we have not come up with a universal rule for conference schedule for conference scheduling across right. power five that makes that incentivizes equality and that's that's really so, the problem and I, I tried my best to do the whole homer thing and, and defend it but yeah it sucks it's i mean it's not fun to watch nobody wants to watch that that third week in november the second week of the year and the third or the second to last week of the year are always the worst in college football and it's frustrating, and I know a lot, of, a lot of times I've even said this, it's not like teams are lining up to play Alabama. They're not. Right, right. But, that's, that's... yeah, there's no reason that the number one team in the country who kind of, like, squeaked by last year and just kind of, like, eked their way in to the Final Four in the playoffs, they don't have a ranked team on the schedule until November. Which is amazing. That, yeah. And, it's, and as John Hayes brought up, friend of the show, uh, who is the producer for the Paul Feinbaum show, brought up, like, Everybody looks easy compared to Alabama, and that's kind of also part true. of it. So we don't value these games. Like when you say Alabama, Mississippi State, 
okay, that doesn't look like a big headliner showdown, but as I projected, I actually think that that could be a battle of two teams that are undefeated in SEC play when they do meet. So we will maybe look at this in a different context um, right. if they're playing top 10 teams or something like that. But as of right now, the way that the schedule sets up, it's, it is really favorable and it is you know conducive to one of those years where Alabama could go 12-0 and and everybody's still sitting there questioning their conference, their, their, or just their overall schedule strength. And I think that's gonna, that storyline's not going to go anywhere because if and when Alabama is beating all these teams right. by significant margin, as you know, many expect, uh, shout out Trent Dilfer, as we love to bring up on every single episode. And uh, Herb Street. And Herb Street, yeah. Herb Street yeah. pretty much piggybacked on that too. And if that happens, these teams have no chance of being ranked. And that hurts Alabama in itself. So it's... It's a never-ending circle or cycle, whatever you want to call it. Circle but. life, man. It's like the you know Simba, Saban, circle of life. But if, the thing is, and uh, this is I'm not trying to be a homer here. Like to be fair, Bama's the team that started this whole neutral site national game to kick off a week one of football. Clemson in 2008, and then ever since then they've they've done it every single year I think except for 2010. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, Here's the thing, though. Alabama could do what Clemson No, that's it, Connor. That's it. I made the point. We're done. (laughs) Clemson should be valued. Clemson's schedule should be valued highly, in a lot higher regard than Alabama's because Clemson's playing in South Carolina this year. Clemson's going to Texas A&M and playing at College Station. They're playing two Power 5 teams. They don't have to. They absolutely don't have to, but they're still doing it. But are they playing the Ragin' Cajuns? Ragin' Cajuns. Are they? I don't know. I don't know their other two cupcake games. They gotta play two teams from Louisiana. They're probably playing Wofford. That that's a. They're definitely one. playing. I think they're playing uh, Wofford game one or like Furman or something like that tomorrow. Furman, good old fu. Um, yeah, they used to be the Christian Knights as well. By the way. Oh, that's um, interesting. No, I mean I totally get it, and it does suck. And I think there has to be some like someone has to step in at some point, I guess, and make it in a level playing field. I still think that my idea was best. Shocking. Uh, that Danny Cannell also brought up, and do like what we do in basketball, and have like a Big Twelve SEC kickoff where you play, you know, first weekend or second weekend of the year, you have to play that, and don't play FCS teams. Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely love it. Nick Saban has come out and said like, hey, I, I want to play more conference games, but there's why? Why would I do that? No, he doesn't. But, no, he has said or he wants to play uh, more. He wants a nine-game conference schedule, and then he wants the to to face the other Power Five conferences. Because if if you're Alabama, yeah, why wouldn't you? You feel like you have the deck stacked in any way possible. But it's it, it as a risk. It doesn't make sense to do what Clemson does for Alabama if right. you don't have to. If we're still I mean, being viewed in the same, if we're still comparing these, you know, side by side and thinking that they're the same thing, then what's to stop Alabama from? You know, Alabama had one loss season last year. Clemson had a one loss season last year. Alabama didn't even have to play in a conference championship game and it got to the same place that Clemson did got to rest the same exact game got to, got rest to prove the Iron Bowl didn't matter yeah I mean that's so that's that's the problem with with the current system and you know people are going to continue to complain about that this is just the beginning though so we won't we won't get into too much Alabama schedule stuff I promise until it actually means something a little bit later on but so November <laughs> let's talk about the, the Alabama opener against Louisville we're going to run through all these headliner showdowns in the SEC um, like I said, I was at Camping World Stadium, in good shape. Field's going to be in, in good shape to be able to play, but it's going to be ridiculously hot on Saturday night in an outdoor game in Central Florida. That's going to be something to watch for. I'm, I, I'm not going to predict a Tua cramp in the middle of the first quarter, but I'm That's not going to say it's not going to happen. 
See, that's another thing, though. I mean, I don't see all these other national teams playing in heat like we're playing in. <laughs> Ooh, I'm cold. I'm up in Columbus, Ohio. I got to wear a, a hoodie under my, my damn jersey. No. Come down to Orlando. Go get yourself a turkey leg at Disney World. And then try and go play a football game. Yeah, I would not advise trying to go down to Disney World and then trying to go to Camping World. Traffic is would be a mess. But, hey, I mean... And actually, probably don't go a lot of the restaurants around Camping World because they're eh, not the best neighborhood that it's in. But well, Connor, I'm not going to go at all because you're the only one going to the game, apparently. So we'll just talk about that some other time. I'm sorry. We're, yeah, we're a little bit bitter about that. And by we, I mean you. Um, yes, also fair. Also fair. Yeah. But so this Alabama-Louisville game, the main question that I have, is there any way that Louisville hangs around in this one and makes it somewhat of a... Uh, makes it feel like it's a headliner showdown because I think this is going to be such a one-sided game and I think this is something where we're going to see, you know, we'll get to this later when we're talking about covering the spread, but um, I think this is a game where we see Jalen Hurts coming into a game with a four-touchdown lead and we're pretty much thinking that this is Tua's offense to run and dominate. So I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I think it's what's going to happen is um, it's going to be a lot like when Andrew Zhao and Tyler Watts were there in like the early 2000s late late 90s and I think two is going to come out he's going to get two or three series and then Jalen's going to get one two three series no chance you don't think so no. you don't think they're you don't think they're going to play Jalen Hurts it's almost an equal amount of time nope in the okay I mean that would that would be amazing uh that's the only way by the way that that they that Louisville Louisville has a chance to keep it close because as we've seen with Ohio State, it's really not easy to come, come and play two series, and then worry about the guy over your shoulder, and you worry about not being able to get into a rhythm. Um, it's not in this heat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously though, I think I think the cramping thing could bring in Jalen Hurts, and all of a sudden he's like Nick Saban's. Okay, this wasn't the plan, but this is this is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm right. just throwing that out there. Watch watch out for it because that that could easily be something that happens. So I think Petrino's a good enough coach offensively, and they have enough weapons at receiver that they can make some big plays. I just I don't understand why they won't stop talking trash. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that because you talk about the Louisville receivers. They are very confident. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick said a few weeks ago uh, that he feels like they can beat every Alabama defensive back in one-on-one coverage, which is like... Oh my God. It's like date Mike confident. It's like, it's yes. like you're a white guy wearing a backwards Kangol hat. Like, I don't know why you think you should have confidence in this right now. You look ridiculous. How do you like I mean, your eggs in the morning? Yeah, exactly. I'm date Mike. Nice um, to meet me. Nice to meet me. I, like, that was not even that bad. The offensive lineman who says, I forgot his name, the one who said he thinks they can dominate Bama's defensive line. Why? Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean. I'm sure Raekwon Davis will totally not bring that up. I'm sure that they're all just going to forget about it and they're just going to move on. But. Yeah, why? Like, I, okay, so I think some people might have been wondering, maybe they weren't wondering, but we didn't talk about the Bobby Petrino thing a few weeks ago when he said, like, he felt like they were going to come out and, be, you know, beat Alabama. I think that that quote was taken out of context. Um, I, I don't think that he was, you know, necessarily calling a shot. I think it was just a guy right. who was just showing confidence in his team, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're a One coach, you up. have to say that. Like, what are you going to say? Like, yeah, I, I really think that we're, we're in trouble. I, I realize that we're yeah. like a four-touchdown underdog, and this is going to be rough. No, I mean, I, I, I don't – I have no problem with 
with what Bobby Petrino said. Now, being these players and calling out a specific position group, saying that you're better than them, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. That's that's. Not I just smart. don't get why. I mean, I yeah, just I, I don't. I mean, they're they should be the receivers are a talented bunch. That defense is so porous against the run, and oh, I don't. I just I, I guarantee you what's going to happen in the first first quarter is you're going to see not like desperation, but you're going to see like a reverse pass, or you're definitely going to see a wheel route. I will put any amount of money that, that Bobby Petrino will call a wheel route in the first five plays. Gosh, I love a good wheel route. Wheel route. Oh, wheel, yeah. Need to wheel. Right. Um, um, no, but like I, that's what he did just ad nauseum when he was at Arkansas. Yeah, I could definitely see a scenario in which they're trying to do whatever they can to shake things up. Of course, the first game of the post-Lamar Jackson era... I I, I I still go back to the stat about Nick Saban and, and and his eleven openers at Alabama. He is only every game he's won by at least three possessions, except right. one, and that was to Virginia Tech, and they were like the number seven team in the yeah, country. Yeah, like thirty four, like twenty four. Yeah, and they won by ten. So they've won every opener by double digits. So yeah, Louisville. Mm, we'll get to that. But later, also, but. to be fair, uh, Louisville, I think, is like one, eight, or I'm sorry, eight and one or eight and zero. Oh, the last uh, eight or nine times they've been a double-digit underdog. Eh, okay. Uncle Chris did some research, Connor. Wow. So you, that's a little teaser for your pick later. You're saying they're going to beat Alabama against the spread? No, not okay. even close. All right. Yeah. Let's just not in that heat. <laughs> Speaking of heat. Interesting little tidbit that came out from our good friend Gary Stoken, who was on the podcast last week, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl CEO and president, who was talking about the Auburn-Washington opener at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, um, talking about it on WCNN AM in Atlanta. And he said that Washington wanted the roof closed, and that was part of the the agreement to be able to, to come and play in this game. And uh, apparently Chris Peterson said that they didn't want to deal with humidity because they're not familiar practicing that, and Auburn is. So heat matters, apparently, in these openers. I've been saying it. I don't know why Gary Stokin didn't want to say that on our podcast last week. I mean, if you ever want to drop interesting little tidbits like that, um, maybe that's my fault for not getting him, getting that out of him as the interviewer. So, uh, okay, that's uh, that's on me. I'll, I'll take I'm glad you could recognize that and come. You know, to that, that <laughs> understanding. The AC is going to be blasting um, in, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to a cool Well, the roof barely works, Connor. Degrees. I mean, the, the roof, like, they sent out that tweet, like, probably two months ago, and it was like, the world's greatest roof finally closes. And I was like, you idiots. We're waiting two years for this. <laughs> like, fix the potholes, close the roof. That's all we want. Why is soccer so much more popular in the city now? This is the best opening weekend game, I think, with without any doubt, really. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Miami and, and LSU, and uh, some people have argued that that game is better, and it's going to get more yeah. of a spotlight just because it's on Sunday night by itself. But this is two top ten teams, and this is yeah. a battle that we've talked about for a long time now, and a game with some big-time playoff implications. ESPN.com had this as the number three most important game of the entire season, not just the right. non-conference season, but the entire season in terms of playoff implications. So... Here's what I want to know. Do we see the SEC championship version of Jared Stidham and the Auburn offense, or do we see something that looked more like the Georgia-Alabama version from last year in the regular season where they were unstoppable? Do we? Is there any chance that we see the latter against Washington defense that's really loaded? I mean, it'll probably be somewhere in between. He's, I mean, he's a great quarterback. He'll, he'll make plays. But that defense he's going up against is really, really, really good. Luckily... 
he gets to go up against a really good defense every day in practice and a really good defense coordinator with Kevin Steele. I just I that that offensive line, man, that offensive line just is really, really worrisome. There are a lot of people who are maybe going to have some flashbacks to the Clemson game. I'm not saying he's going to get sacked 11 times or anything like that, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see, too, the freedom that he has at the line of scrimmage. It's been such a big topic of conversation at Auburn that that Stidham came back because he wanted to be able to have more control at the line. He talked about uh, having the freedom with Chip Lindsey and with Gus Malzahn to be able to make those calls at the line of scrimmage as he sees fit because he understands the offense a lot better now than he did at this time last year. If he's able to change those protections and really show that He's the guy, and he understands this offense, right. and he can kind of you know, lead a, a better offensive effort that we, than we expect. That's going to say a lot about what he's going to be able to accomplish this season, especially with how tough that schedule is going to be. I mean, I think he came back because he wasn't going to get drafted very high. But, I mean, yeah, sure. No, I mean, that, that he said that that was one of the big things. Like, he, you, you've seen with this with, with quarterbacks and how they can leave early even if they think they're going to be a third or a fourth-round pick. And he wanted to know that if he was going to come back, who's going to be the guy? And he wasn't just going to be a puppet for the offense. And he was going to be able to do things that he feels like, you know what, if I see this at the line yeah. scrimmage, I want to be able to call this because I'm a smart enough player. I have enough experience now to where I should be able to adjust and have the, the ability to do that like guys do in the NFL. And that's that's a big that's going to be a huge feather in his cap when he gets to the NFL. So Otherwise, I'll go right now and be a seventh-round draft pick and probably in my football career two to three years too early. Sure. I mean, I get what he said. And, like, I understand he said that. Saban said the thing about wanting to play nine conference games. Hell, I told my girlfriend the other day that I wanted to watch Bachelor in Paradise. None of that's true. Sometimes you just say stuff, Connor. Does she watch Bachelor in Paradise? Oh, my God. It's it's the worst. I'm going to pretend like I have not watched a single episode of that, and I have no idea Why what's going on. Why is it two on. hours long? Oh, it's two days a week, too. That's the, this, the oh real... It's a it's a disaster. But, luckily, we have football this weekend, so we don't have to watch yeah, stuff like that, that Sorry, anymore. Guys. That's good. Um, good news for the Auburn defense. Jake Browning... Um, Talked about the fact that Washington is going to run the triple option every play. I so, love that. Awesome. Good. Good. Auburn knows the plan now. They're able to to kind of hone in on that and focus on Jake Browning uh, running the triple option with with Miles Gaskin. That's going to happen, right? I mean, no. There's no chance. <laughs> I mean, this is a quarterback that has thrown 62 touchdowns in the past two seasons, and Miles Gaskin has rushed for at least 1,300 yards in each of his first three seasons. I think a lot of people are going to see that Miles Gaskin is a different level of fast. He, well, I yeah. remember watching him two years ago for the first time. I think it was in the Pac-12 championship being like, right. oh, my God, this guy might be the fastest guy in the country. I think a lot of people um, in the SEC who aren't as familiar with Washington are going to look at, at him and be like, yeah, that's, that's some SEC speed right there. Right. So here's what I want to happen. First play of the game, Chris Peterson, triple option. Do it. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody at the Auburn sideline is like, oh, my God, what if Jake Browning was – was was for real and this is going to happen like this they just wrote it for the first quarter that they amazing. will they will blow, that defensive line from auburn would blow that up in the backfield for like a five to eight yard loss that's the triple options basically what malzahn runs just misdirection people running everywhere yeah it's it's different though i mean a little bit different not going under center and doing all that stuff that's yeah maybe the the biggest difference. Oh, you mean like a scott frost type triple option oh yeah Oh, oh, yeah, I'm in for that. I'm talking like Navy triple option, like Ooh. Georgia Tech triple option. That's too much. That's, yeah. that's, that triple option sucks. All right, we won't do that. Um, another huge headliner that's taking place in the southeast, Tennessee, West Virginia, that game being played in Charlotte. Um, Charlotte. The, everybody wants to talk about Will Greer against Jeremy Pruitt's defense. That's the huge headliner matchup. I'm going to throw a quick over-under at you. 
Over or under 300 yards and three touchdown passes for Will Greer? Uh, I'll take over 300 yards and over three touchdown passes. I would agree with you. Kind of tough to argue against They're not going to run the ball. Why would they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite part about this game, besides the fact that both these fan bases are just rooted in, I, I, would, I don't want to say tradition, but I do want to say moonshine. I like that. Rooted in moonshine. Yeah. That's, that should be on a t-shirt somewhere. I mean, it's, yeah, it's actually right outside my office, what it says about me. That's pretty cool. It's my bio. That's pretty um, cool. No, but, like, the whole depth chart war between Dana Holgerson and Jeremy Pruitt, I've, this is unbelievable. Well, they ordered us first, so we ordered them back. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is happening? Uh, Tennessee came out and had 11 oars for, like, their starters on their depth chart they released. So Just don't release a depth chart. So you know uh, the episode of The Office where they go to, I hate mentioning him, but it's, it's worth bringing up, uh, Robert California's house, and they have those games of chicken oh. in the pool, and it's just really ugly, and you're like, okay, no, nobody deserves to win this. Depth chart wars are just a game of chicken that nobody wins. Yeah. And it's just the, the entire time you're like, all right, why, why are we really doing this? We're in a pool. We could be doing other things. We could be talking about other things, but instead we're talking about depth charts. Who really cares? You're going to right. prepare for a team the same exact way. Nobody's going to remember the fact that they didn't have a depth chart after you know the, the opening snap, and we're all going to forget about it, so who cares? Right. Get off my shoulders. My hair looks ridiculous right now. I keep just inhaling water in my nose. You know what my least favorite thing is? I'm just going to get this off my chest. People that plug their nose and they jump in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, why do people do that? It's like you're going to get, you're going to get water up there anyways, and or just you kind of look ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. If you're an adult doing that... That's like that's the Big Ten football equivalent Whoa. of oh yeah I said it Whoa. that's the Big Ten football equivalent of of like summertime pool fun. I'm gonna hard disagree with that. Uh, water slides are the Big Ten equivalent of oh my pool fun. Love me a good water slide. So everybody wants to talk about the quarterback at West Virginia because it is Will Greer and he's a name that is familiar with SEC fans, but. Tennessee still sort of has a quarterback situation to figure out. We don't know if it's going to be Keller Chris or Jared Quarantano. I imagine they know in that locker room, or at least they have a really good idea of who it is. Who do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be Keller Chris. I just hope that it's Jared, Jared Quarantano. Yeah, he I earned it, I'm... man. Last year, he just took a beating. A huge beating. Every single game, it seemed like. But the kid kept getting up time right. and time again, and he stuck around for... The beginning of the Jeremy Pruitt era, and I say the beginning because if Keller Chris starts, we don't know, as we've seen in the past week, we don't know if, if Jerick Warren is going to stick around. That's not an indictment on him, right. it's just the reality of the situation and what quarterbacks and transferring is in 2018. So I would agree with you, I think Keller Chris is going to be the guy just for the simple fact that Tyson Helton sort of hand-plucked him and went into the grad transfer market, picked him out, like the similarities between he and Sam Darnold right. from a, well... Style standpoint, at least. Um, but if we're Tennessee comes out with a transfer quarterback from Stanford and a transfer running back from Michigan State, it is going to be the most boring offense imaginable. Over under 1.5 knee braces for Keller Christ. It's definitely over. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent over. Yeah, he might have Those never had a like, knee injury in his life too, and he oh, still needs no. both of them. No, no, it's like his foot fell asleep when he was like going to the bathroom one time, and ever since then he just. Put on both knee braces. Stanford quarterbacks with knee braces. Auburn skill players with names starting with K. Um, Saban and openers. These are all just things that we just kind of okay, Death, we assume. taxes, 
and whatever we just sputtered out that sense. Yes. Can you imagine the hype if Jeremy Pruitt won this game? Can you imagine how crazy Vols fans would go if he actually pulled out a win against a preseason Heisman Trophy candidate who's showing up on all these first-team All-America teams right. and won this game on a neutral site? Tennessee would just would blow up. Knoxville would be all sorts of hype for the, for the Jeremy Pruitt era. It would be the city would be on fire again, but like for like a good reason this time. I mean, yes. for his own sake, he should lose this game. Just for the pure safety of the citizens of Knoxville yeah, and the surrounding areas. Yeah, does not need those expectations. Yeah. It would raise the bar incredibly high. Oh All of a sudden, God. we're talking about a team that didn't win an SEC game last year to, oh, my God, could they compete for a division title? If they could beat West Virginia in a neutral site, who else could they beat? I mean, that is realistically... Maybe 3-0 going into Florida and Georgia. Man, that would be... I mean, from a content standpoint, from what we do, it'd be yeah. pretty awesome. It'd be pretty awesome. Come on, prove it. Yeah. But we're not necessarily holding our breath on Tennessee uh, pulling off the upset. We'll get to that later. Um, the last big headliner of the weekend, not to leave out Ole Miss and Texas Tech, because that is a headliner in its own right, but we kind of think that they're going to be six, seven win teams. We will talk about that game later. But in terms of a real headliner, two top 25 teams, LSU, Miami, Sunday night, Jerry World, everybody is going to be watching. Everybody is going to be highly anticipating the debut of the Joe Burrow era. But here's what I will say. JT Barrett brought up a great point. Yeah, JT Barrett, the former Ohio State quarterback who's now in New Orleans, so he kind of weighs in on all things LSU. Speaking of knee braces. <laughs> JT Barrett said to LSU fans, chill. If Joe Burrow does not light it up in the first game, relax. Have faith right. in him as the guy because I agree with him 100%. I think there are going to be a lot of LSU fans, and just fans across college football, because the spotlight is going to be on them in that opener where they're – Pretty much coming to their, jumping to their conclusions on Joe Burrow after the first quarter. We're going to see a lot of, if Joe Burrow gets off to a rough start, doesn't have a scoring drive in the first couple of series, Joe Burrow's trash. This is the quarterback that LSU fans were all excited for. Tell LSU fans why they should not jump to conclusions on the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Burrow. You've barely had a quarterback for the last decade. I really need Joe Burrow to, like, to be lights out, though, because... I got to be on the radio again in New Orleans yesterday. It's like seems pretty cool, um, and I'm hoping I could like turn that into some like Harris comps. So, really need you, Joe. Really need you. Do we have? Um, didn't you have a little uh, a, a pregame speech? Yeah, I'm gonna before? I'm gonna give that at the end though. We're gonna save it. We're gonna save it for the picks. Little, little teaser. I don't, um, you guys really like that Coach O impression? It's so good. It's really really good. You should hear my Louis Armstrong. It's I mean it's lights out. I don't know if our... He's got the blue. Yeah, I would have been famous AF in the 40s. That had a little bit too much Bill Cosby in there, which is problematic. Okay, so we won't all right. You know that. what? Just, it's too much with you sometimes. <laughs> uh, LSU fans, though, just just relax on the Joe Burrow takes because this is the first start of his entire career. This is a Miami defense that is absolutely loaded. They have three potential All-America candidates on that defense. The secondary could, be end, could end up being one of the best in the country. This is a challenging game, and you got to remember he's only had a couple months there. Getting on the same page as LSU receivers is going to be tough. This is still a new system that he is trying to learn. Getting on the same page as, as everyone on that offense, especially when you don't have Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis to turn around and hand the ball off to, it's not that easy. So I, I do expect him to have some, some struggles in the opener. I don't think this is going to be a game where he's lighting it up and throwing for four touchdown passes. If he is, I mean, let... Let, let the hype begin because just in case it, it, it isn't already at a, at, a, at a peak right now, I think we're going to see it really take off. But I don't expect that to happen. I do. Nice. 
Yeah. Well, we I'm going to expect it to happen after I hear your pump up speech later. There you go. So that's fair. Um, you can watch all of the opening weekend games because they all these headliner games because they're really spaced out pretty well. I mean, that Alabama game is, is late on Saturday night. The that Auburn Washington is is middle of the day. You can do some by flipping, as I like to say. Um, and then LSU Miami, of course, um, on Sunday night. But if you're going to do that, and if you want to throw down some money, you might want to look to our friends at MyBookie. Uh, yeah, I'll take over here. Um, guys, MyBookie, I can't say enough about them. I have just been knee-deep in some prop bets, in some parlays, in some research for the upcoming week uh, for Game 1. So, like I've said every week, make sure you go to MyBookie.com. We're doing a promo with them right now. If you use the promo code SDS, they will match your initial deposit by 100%. And that means you'll have double your initial deposit, which means you'll have double the amount of money to bet with your Uncle Chris, who's already 2-0. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So, uh, like I said, it's not who you're betting on. Sometimes it's who you're betting with. And they have, I mean, it's dangerous. It's, I'll be honest, it's dangerous. Like, you can make your own props, guys. You can make your own props. Right now I have $20 on the fact that Nick Saban will not retire before Bill Snyder. I don't know why. That's like a five-year payoff. Regardless, it's awesome. I love it. So make sure you go to mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. And like I always say, guys, it's not a problem if you're winning. I love that that is your new tagline for all things Uncle Chris gambling. Yeah. Well, I mean, we... it's just like just a defense that I've said several times to people and loved ones and bosses, parents, ex-girlfriends, whatever. Accountants. Accountants. Anyone. Yeah, people I ask for change from on the street. Just a lot of people. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm excited for week one because, they're like, like you said, what I usually hate about week one is there's usually two or three four games that are great but they don't stagger them correctly so it's like you have a 3 30 kick you have a four o'clock kick and you have an eight o'clock and a 7 30 so you can't watch all the games you want to watch this week is incredible it's awesome it really yeah. sets up very very well for you to do absolutely nothing productive all yeah. weekend i mean from thursday to even to Monday, because you got Virginia Tech and Florida State. I know we're not talking, you know, a bunch of ACC here, but like, if you're a college football fan, you got five days. You get five days. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's that that to me is such a win for the sport in general, and what we're gonna get to experience this weekend. I hate to throw out perfect and schlag when it's not deserved because <coughs> this is just opening weekend, but that is college football perfect and schlag until we I mean, get to bowl season. We talk about it being Christmas morning. It's almost more like Hanukkah this week. Except you're not getting socks and like erasers and stuff like that. So it's just the gift that keeps on giving. There's games on tonight. There's decent games. Oh, there's ranked teams on Friday night. You think yeah. I'm not going to watch Army and Duke? I, yeah. I do think you're going to watch that. I think you're going to yeah, put down thank way you. too much money on that. But Well, let's... yeah, I already have, to be honest. But um, yeah, Saturday, I can't wait. I, oh, I can't wait. Awesome. I'm going to let you take us into the, the uh, spreads. Let's pick so some games. then I can just come back and tell you uh, how you're wrong. Let's let us pick some games. If you've been listening to us, you probably already know some of our picks here. So we're not going to spend a ton of time breaking down each game because, like we've said, uh, Alabama is going to cover that that spread, the twenty-five point spread, whatever. So let's yeah. just start off. With I do. That one. I do want to say real quick. This is a very big moment for me because last year, um, when I was like only freelancing like part time with STS, and I was I just every week I would go look at you and Michael Wayne Bratton's picks, and just judge myself first first both of you. And now... Knowing I was better. 
No, 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 no. The first ever, the the first interaction you ever had with me was you reaching out to me on Twitter saying, at CJ O'Gara, teach me your ways of picking against the spread. And I think I was like, yeah, I was just trying to backdoor my way into a career, Connor, and it worked. So boom, Uncle Chris is actually three and oh, to be honest. You are smarter than I gave you credit for. Thank you, sir. It's the glasses. (laughs) You're not wearing glasses right now. (laughs) Shut up. No one knows that. All right, so we've got some opening week picks to get to. We've already said Alabama, going to cover that 25-point spread. I think that they are just daring you to take Louisville in the points. I can't take Louisville in the points, knowing especially all this trash talk that they've been, that they've been saying. I yeah, think I this is a game that Alabama's covering the spread by the middle of the third quarter, uh, perhaps even earlier. I, I don't feel that bold going out on a limb saying Nick Saban is going to uh, beat a rebuilding Louisville team by at least four touchdowns. No problem. Uh, it was it was 25 points, the, the my bookie line. What was the line for that one? 24 and a half currently. And a half. Yeah, it's, okay. Yeah. Give me Alabama. That matters, Connor. Uh, I will give those points all day. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got I've got Bama winning. Um, I think it was 41 to, to about, I'm sorry, 41-13. Okay. Yeah, Nick Saban, 9-1 and one against the spread. Um, nine and one against the spread in their last ten week one openers. Um, okay. A lot good. of those games aren't super difficult, but yeah, I mean, like you're talking about the last three years putting up, I don't know, what was it like a forty six point win against USC, you know, double digits against Wisconsin. That, they're gonna be fine. No doubt about that. Let let us move on. Uh, let's go to the fun one that we think we're gonna have in Houston, where there's gonna be like a billion points scored. I, I think I saw the over-under was in the 70s in that one. Is, do you know 67. the over-under? 67. 67? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. They're going to have that Kinda by surprised. halftime. I would think so, right? Oh, I don't I don't understand that at all. I'd be hitting the over on that all day. Um, two and a half? What's what's the line on that? Why don't you say the, the line? So it's actually gone for? up. It was uh, it has gone up to two and a half. It's climbed by about a half point almost every day this week. Okay. I, I have Ole Miss all day on this. You have, I mean, it's, Ole Miss is... is uh, an is, underdog by two and a half points. Okay. So what I'm going to do, a little, little trick of the trade here, I'm going to be um, risky and, and do a teaser, which means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet that Ole Miss covers 8.5. They don't oh. lose on more than 8.5, and, and the over is only at 61 points. That's what I'm doing. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Ole Miss wins outright. Texas Tech returns 10 starters on defense, but that's a defense that gave up 282 yards passing a game. There are going to be no shortage of, of, of big plays in this one. I do have Texas Tech covering and winning outright. Maybe yeah, this is, is, what is that just about? a, a three, three, four, three or four point game. Um, I, I think this this could be really, really fun to, to watch. Just the, these offenses go back and forth. I believe in JT. I believe in what AJ Brown's going to be able to do this year and Matt Luke, all that stuff. But I just think when it comes down to it, maybe this is a, a fourth quarter where uh, Texas Tech decides we're gonna we're gonna slow it down a little bit and we we're gonna try and just run the ball. We're gonna try and and just gash Ole Miss and try and keep their offense off the field on the stretch. And I think that they do that one too many times. Texas Tech wins this game outright. Idiots. <laughs> Let's go to South Carolina. What's the, the my bookie spread for South Carolina and 29 and a half. Yeah. Um, I waffled. I went back and forth on this one all offseason. That's how yeah, long I'm I mean, Coastal Carolina is not good. No. They're not a good team. Um, they also don't return that many starters, and they, they gave up 34 points per game last year. Oh. Yeah, that's a very appropriate noise to make. Um, 
I don't think Carolina's going to do too much on offense. They're not going to show a lot because they have Georgia the following week. Mm-hmm. But I still see this being like a 38-7, to 41-7 type deal. I don't, I don't think it'll be close. But they're, they're definitely going to be a lot more vanilla and bland on offense than, than people are expecting. Yeah, I think South Carolina covers. I think that we get to a little sneak peek of the Brian McClendon offense that we've been hearing so much about. They run some up-tempo stuff. They just proved to this. This ends up being more of a Rico Dowdle game. This doesn't end up being a game where Jake Bentley throws, you know, 25, 30 times. I think this is right. one that South Carolina kind of puts it on cruise control, lets the offensive line go to work, tries to keep as much in the holster as possible against Georgia. Maybe wins this game by 30 points. I think it's going to end up being a little bit of a close cover. Uh, but ultimately, the Gamecocks do cover, and they still have all the hype going into that Week 2 game against Georgia. So let us move on to a different SEC East team. How about Kentucky in Central Michigan? That game, of course, being played in Lexington. Kind of a tricky spread, though. Is is this is the spread 17 on that one? Yeah. So it's, it's teetered back and forth between 17 and 17 and a half. That's a lot of points for Kentucky. Um, Central Michigan has beat a power five school each of the past three seasons. Hmm. However, um, wow. however, they also only returned 10 starters from last year's team. Kentucky could have been nine and three last year. I think they have a lot to prove. And this is like one of those games where there's some games for t- like fringe teams like Kentucky or Missouri, like that you have to win. This is one of those games. You want to get off to a good start with the fan base, especially in front of the home crowd. You want to have, you know, everyone's favorite neighbor, Terry Wilson, have a good showing. So I, I don't mean Central Michigan, they beat Oklahoma State on the road a couple years ago. This is not that kind of Central Michigan team. I ain't the same Chippewas. Say your granddad's Chippewas, y'all. Dan LaFever going to come out starting for the Chippewas? He started for them like Dan 10 Lefevre. years ago. Or Dan like LaFever sounds like somebody's always in a leather jacket. <laughs> I do think Kentucky covers the spread on this one. I think the Kentucky defense, I think, is ultimately what's going to shine. Um, Josh Allen, we've talked about what the, the talent is on that side of the ball that Mark Stoops is returning. You could be predictable against a team like Central Michigan. I think that there's no doubt that Kentucky should be able to win the battle at the line of scrimmage. Even if Terry Wilson doesn't set the world on fire, you still got Benny Snell to turn the ball, right. to, to, to turn and hand the ball off to. So, uh, but I'm he will. Kentucky, He'll set the world on fire. You have talked you ever had his ribs? Wilson. They sound really good. Oh, my gosh. He is the best barbecue, man. Man, I love, I love me some ribs. Is that a above-ground pool at Terry Wilson's house? God, I love it. Smelled some ribs last night, and it was really tempting not to just take all of them. Um, Kentucky covers a 17-point spread. At a Beyonce concert? You were going to eat yeah. just a handful of ribs? I mean, there was outside the stadium, so. You're like the wouldn't... creep at every like art festival just gnawing on a turkey leg. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Washington and Auburn. A spread that is fascinating, I think, just because there is such a geographical element to this. I think a lot of Vegas... Oddsmakers have been looking at this game being played in Atlanta and wondering if, even though Washington is the, I think, consensusly ranked ahead of Auburn uh, in most people's preseason rankings, this is still going to be a game that we wonder if a Pac-12 team can really make this cross-country trip and win against a good team like Auburn. I think, what, Washington's getting two and a half points, is that right? So it opened at four and a half this summer. I kept telling everyone to jump all over that. With who, um, with who getting the four and a half? Washington? Auburn was favored by four and a half. Right. So okay. it dipped down to one and a half earlier this week, and then a lot of sharp money came in uh, with some pretty big bets on Washington. So the sharps uh, are a lot heavier on Washington so far. Um, 
I honestly like I think the under is probably the play here at 48 okay. and a half because both these defenses I mean both teams are very capable of putting up a lot of points but both teams have a really really good defenses I've already told you guys several times why I think Washington's going to win I mean I could be totally wrong Auburn's a really really good football team I just don't think that that offensive line is going to be able to hold up against that defense at Washington I agree I'm going to echo that I think Washington wins a close one a game that stays Pretty low scoring, I think. I don't. I'm not sure that either offense really dominates and gets going in this one. Um, I, right. I will take Washington to to cover uh, two and a half point spread and win this outright. Um, so let's let's move on to the game that we already talked about: Tennessee and West Virginia. That game in Charlotte. A game that is. Uh, I thought there. Would, I thought West Virginia would be a much bigger favorite than this. Is is the is the line nine point five? It moved uh, back up to ten and a half yesterday, but is now settled at ten. So let's let's assume that it's ten. Who yeah, are you taking? Do that. I'm taking West Virginia by like seventeen. I, th- I think it'll be about thirty-five to well between like fourteen and seventeen points. I just I think Tennessee is going to keep it close for like a quarter, but there's just too too much firepower for West Virginia on, on offense, and their defense is going to be a lot a lot more improved. And again, Dana Holgerson is kind of an asshole, so he's probably going to want to like make this one like rub this one in. Uh, the thing with like West Virginia is they return a lot of their production from a year ago. Obviously, Will Greer. They have David Sills, who led the country in touchdowns last year with 18 receiving, receiving touchdowns. And that was in the first nine games because he didn't have a single touchdown reception the final three when Will Greer was hurt. That's stupid. Yeah, Will Greer is, I think, going to get off to maybe a little bit of a slow start, maybe get some some butterflies just because some of the preseason hype. Jeremy's defense, Jeremy Pruitt's defense comes out ready to go. Tennessee takes an early lead, but West Virginia ultimately pulls away late, wins this game by, I think, at least three possessions. I, I would agree with you that this could be a 17-point game. Tennessee kind of makes fans a little bit excited early on and just – Believing that the you know they're seeing some fruits of the labor of what Jeremy Pruitt's right. been preaching all offseason, but I think ultimately West Virginia covers what, in my opinion, is a is, is too small of a spread. So Vanderbilt, I'm not I'm not very uh, I'm not very loved by Vanderbilt fans. Let's just say that right now. Uh, you get Middle Tennessee in the opener, but you're only a three and a half point favorite. We think Vandy's gonna cover that, coming right? Coming down. Vandy Vandy covers a three and a half point spread, right? I would think so. It's actually already, it's all the way down to three. Um, It's interesting because, you know, I've said before, the last three years, I guess, in this game, Vanderbilt's won by an average score of 16 points. And they've scored, I think, won by around 22 points the past two seasons. So it's not really been close. But when you look at, like, Phil Steele's, like, preseason projections, he actually has Middle Tennessee State, like, I think 10 to 15 spots ahead of Vandy in terms of his power rankings. Yeah, not mm. good. But, not again, this good. is one of those games that Vandy has to win. Derek Mason has to win. It's at home. You don't go into Commonwealth Stadium, that little high school bowl, right next to the Holiday Inn Express, and come out unscathed. Well, yeah. yeah you, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd argue that you probably do. But Yeah, you definitely do. We, we I just, don't to talk about that, though. I think Vandy wins the game. I Middle Tennessee State, I don't know. They might make a bowl for like the seventh straight year. I'm not sure, but this is like a must-win type game for Derek Mason. 
Yeah, because the schedule is not is not very favorable, no matter no. what he says about playing at Notre Dame and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, Vandy does cover uh, a small spread. I think we get a good sample size of Keyshawn Vaughn, the tailback transfer from Illinois. I think he has a really big first game and kind of makes Vandy fans forget about Ralph Webb, at least temporarily. Kid from Illinois it, transfer to Vandy? He's, he's from Nashville, that's why. Okay, that's yeah. good. He's got, he's got a connection there. Talented player, too. So, did some really good things as a as a, an underclassman at Illinois. Was surprised yeah, but I mean, like, he, transferring from Illinois to Vandy is like dropping out of, like, Le Cordon Bleu to, again, go to ITT Tech. I'm going to leave that one right there. That's fine. Uh, let's, let's wrap things up uh, with LSU and Miami. The spread on this one is, the last I saw, the spread was three. LSU is getting three points in this one. Is that what it, it stayed at? It is at three and a half currently, which I love. Jump all over this. This is like my favorite game of the week. I just, I really don't think that Miami is going to be as advertised. Every time, it, and it's not it's not just Miami, it's more correct. It's, it's three things I don't trust, Connor. Lawyers, the government, women with two first names, Four things I don't trust. <laughs> and a Mark Rick team with any kind of preseason hype. I just, I don't see, I don't see it happening. I think this is one of those games where Ed Orgeron has, not has to win, but he's going to prove a point. And I think he has a talented enough team. I think he's a good enough coach to go out there and beat Miami. Miami underwhelms us constantly. I'll agree to disagree with that take. I think last year they did not underwhelm. I think they underwhelmed at the very end of the season, but if you looked at their... When it mattered and they were ranked high? No, but if you would come into the season thinking that this that Miami could be in the playoff hunt in late November and play in an ACC championship and then ultimately finish as a top, five, top 15 team in the country, you would take it if you're a Miami Sure, fan. but I mean, saying like once the expectations matched where their record was and they went to pit and lost and then got into that ACC championship game and got boat raced 37-3, to the expectations and performance have not really mirrored each other. True. Don't forget that they did have that Notre Dame game on, on that was their college game day in Coral Gables, and you saw A-Rod and J-Lo enjoying it, and Miami just dominated Notre Dame. That was a huge mid-November game in terms of the playoff picture. So it, it's... Was it? I, I, oh, it absolutely was. Go, go back How? and look at the implications of that one. Notre Dame had one loss. And Miami so, was undefeated. But neither one of them made the playoffs, right? No, it was a huge game at the time for playoff oh. implications. Yeah, no, okay. it didn't end up being the case. But. So it was like Bama, Texas A&M for like four or five years in a row when they were undefeated and ranked in the top ten. Right, but I'm, your, your argument was that Miami disappoints every single time they get expectations up. Expectations were sky high for that one, and they absolutely delivered, and they ran Notre Dame. Connor, all field. I want you to do is just say you're wrong, <laughs> and let's move on. So here's the saying, bottom line. On Sunday night, when just hordes of of Tiger fans come into that stadium and they probably don't know the games on Sunday. They've probably been drinking since Saturday morning. Good point. And just stumble into Jerry World and they get in that locker room. Kozo, get that team. So go around. Y'all got it in there now. Y'all got it around. What we got in front of ourselves? We got opportunity. Orgeron Salvador. Opportunity Salvador. I want all y'all to take a second and look at this Motivational post I got. There's a cat hanging on to a string, and it says, hang in there. Now, here's another poster. It says teamwork. This is a bunch of skydivers holding hands in the air. That's what I want you to think about when you go on that field today. Miami ain't got nothing for us. They ain't got Ray Lewis. 
Bad Boys 2 came out like 15 years ago. Great movie. Great. I love it. I love it. Sometimes, me and the wife, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get some Zatarain season on that Cajun shrimp. We'll watch a little Bad Boys 1, Bad Boy 2. But honestly, ain't really nothing else going on in Miami besides Heat, LeBron James jerseys, and cocaine. They got nothing for us. Ah! Oh my goodness. Remember when I told you I was going to write that script? I never did. That was just... <laughs> it's pretty that, good. All right. LSU's covering. three and a, They're covering three and a half point spread. I sold. Absolutely sold. I hope he comes in, double fists of Red Bull, spikes them both on the ground like Gronk style, and just rips his shirt off and literally runs through a brick wall. That's a good prop bet. We should talk to our friends at MyBookie about Not bad. that. We should definitely get on that. That's a really good prop bet. We're going to have uh, maybe a little bit of a running total for our picks all season if we can actually remember to do that. I don't know. Maybe that's something we can do. For sure. Uh, let us move on to our new favorite segment. We have a name for it because it is Thursday. It is Fourth and Wrong, wherein you ask us questions on all of our social media channels that have nothing to do with football. So we've got some good ones this week that we've got a little bit of carryover from last week too. But Let's, uh, let's, we got a one bearded golfer. Is that where we want to start with Yeah, this? so this guy is actually hilarious. Uh, I actually follow him on Twitter. One bearded golfer, he sent this last week. I forgot. To, oh, real quick before I forget. Shout out to Loader Josh. Actually sends a lot of stuff my way gambling-wise. Um, it's actually really helpful, so thank you for that. Also, he started following my mom on Twitter. Nice. So she's up to like 19 followers. Pastor Patty Sue one. You guys can follow her if you want or don't. Do not talk trash to my mom, or I will really be upset. Get, get, get yourself a little gospel. When you're, you know, you get all your college yeah. football stuff on Saturday, get your gospel on Sunday, and get a little LSU-Miami football. I mean, it sounds like a good Sunday to me. Good weekend. Love it. Um, so, this is from One Bearded Golfer on Twitter. He said, What food do you no longer purchase because you can't help yourself and one package becomes one serving? For me, it's tomato and basil wheat thins. I'm going to go with goldfish on this one. I can't stop Ooh. eating goldfish. They are, I, I can go through a bag of those like it's nothing. What What flavor? Just the original. Yeah, nice move. Yeah, oh I don't boy. like all the mixed, you know. Everybody wants to make crackers into some, like, I, I try to go to the store and get Ritz and try and get all these, they're like, oh, hint of bacon, hint of garlic. Just yeah. Me, just give me stinking Ritz, man. It's That's disgusting, man. Yeah, all, combos are the worst invention. That's, what, that's what's wrong with America. Those stupid yeah. combos, little pretzel sardines combinations they have at like every quick trip I stop in at. You know what I'm saying? No? Too much? Okay. Too much. Um, for me, it is lime chips and salsa. Mm. I love chips Hard and salsa. Pass. All you. Wow. All you. I love chips and salsa, just not the lime. There's too much lime. I mean, we don't know which ones I'm eating, so it's fine. It's whatever. Just Good point. Agree to disagree. Second question. Uh, this is my favorite question, to be honest. This is from Wes Bronner on Instagram. He's actually the, the person that took the pictures uh, of the fake engagement that are going to come oh, back to haunt right. me with my current girlfriend. So uh, he said, what is the worst white people baby name right now? I'm going to go with Braylon or uh, yeah, Braylon or Brayden. Something that sounds really made up like that where it's like Halen or like Kaylin, something right. like that that rhymes. Sorry if you have one of those names. Um, it's not your fault. I, you didn't name yourself. I just think that your parents were probably trying to be a little bit too individualistic, and I think they were asking for people to misspell and mess up your name for a very long time. Yeah. Um, mine is any any first name. You know how I feel about, about two first names. Love Mary them. Beth. No, it's the worst. Can't trust Sarah them. Jane. Um, 
the worst for me is anything that should end in a Y and then for some odd reason ends in a cough. And it's oh, like, like Haley. Haley. <laughs> Kaylee. Riley. No, that's Raleigh. That's a city in North Carolina, you idiots. Like that's not <laughs> that is not a name. What are you doing? Uh yeah. So that those are my least favorite. Those are good. Um and last but not least, we asked for one question. Brandon Bennett's uh just did a full interview. Shout out Brandon Bennett's, by the way, uh, back in Kearney, back in my central Nebraska days. Uh, someone who I got along with really well. He's, he is a friend of the program, so we will disclaimer there. We'll, we're only going to do one question just because we don't want to show favoritism, right. but he asked us three really, really good ones, so we yeah, decided really to did. pick one. Okay, so um, we chose, between over the course of your careers, what have you learned? Since my career has only been seven months long, we decided to go with what is one word that describes What's helped you the most in life? I'm going to go with grind. Ooh, not for just me. Just grind. Just every day. Wake up and just, just get after it, man. If you can just Yawns. do nothing else but grind and just work your tail off, you're going to set yourself up to do some pretty good things. Um, I think mine would be optimism. That's good, too. That's really yeah. good. I mean, just, you know, everyone has their own stuff going on. It's not always the easiest road and all that kind of stuff. I'm... I'm Obviously, very cynical and pessimistic most of the time. But when the going gets tough, I tell you what, you got to come and be a little optimistic. Optimistic Salvador. Orgeron Salvador. Optimistic. That's, that's some Thursday gospel from us. That's what that yeah. is. There you Sunday go. gospel from, from Marler's mom. Thursday gospel from us. got the blue. I don't Spot know. On. That's, yeah, um, but make sure you guys send us those uh, questions every week. Really enjoyed it. Um, and we will do it again next week. Fourth and wrong. I, we really need to get in some life advice. I know, we do. And if we didn't get to your question this week, we could also circle back and get to it next week. So don't right. think if we just left you out this week that you're done forever. Or maybe your question wasn't that good. No, I'm, quit. I'm kidding. Oh, All wow. those questions are real. Sorry, really Braylon. Good. Yeah, I definitely offended someone named Braylon. We've got a oh, few. Uh, it might mean too much to get to. We'll run through these real quick. Um, we have Jake Fromm is... So some Georgia fan tried to reach out to Jake Fromm through his Facebook page and ask him if he would do a baby gender reveal yeah so west blankenship tweeted this out and blur blurred out all the names so i unfortunately i wasn't able to find out you know who exactly was doing this but the georgia fan apparently wanted jake Fromm to do this baby re this gender reveal the next day this was this week so yeah what's jake Fromm got going on i mean it's not like it's you know opening weekend of college football season or anything like that like hey jake we're huge georgia fans can you do this georgia reveal getting not okay with my son not okay uh, like that's that's asking for a little bit too much in my opinion. Yeah, and he's 19, so it's it's a 19 year old kid that you're asking to do your baby, you know, your gender baby reveal. I mean, Dick we Fox already know 19. how I feel about gender reveals. You're a big fan. No, not at all. You Can know what I do, do love though is a fail, a gender reveal fail, where like they try and shoot off the cannon and it doesn't explode and people. If are you're not upset. if you're not confident enough that you cannot hit a slow pitch softball with a fake bat to reveal if you're having a boy or girl, why are you choosing that route? That's true. That's a good point. Jake Fromm would probably like throw a shoulder out doing that or something. He would oh, get yeah, injured doing a, a gender reveal. I don't yeah. think there's any, any doubt about that. Another one. Uh, this was pointed out to me from Patrick McCaffrey. He pointed me in the right direction. This was from a tweet uh, from Kellis Robinets. Uh, he saw a red truck in Manhattan that had two SEC flags. Not one, but two SEC flags. Um, that's bold. I, I, what just, I would just said SEC. 
Yeah, just SEC. Where do you even flags. find those? I, I have no idea. I saw one at the SEC championship though, so maybe they hand those out and somebody just pockets it. Yeah. That's probably what happens. But I would love to see the reaction from people people walking down the street in Manhattan like, what in the world is this? Right. Guy Why are you doing this, sir? They had that game day there a couple years ago, it was awful. It was I, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was an interesting take on it. They're trying to make it into a bigger bigger market thing, so that's not just Sometimes you know, I just I don't even know why I bring stuff up. I know, I know. That's, I'm that's such a Yankee. No, I mean, but me. yeah, SEC flags. I, uh, what? What is that? that that's the guy who starts the SEC chant at every single bowl game when uh, an SEC team wins. That's that right, you that gone. Person. You're gonna leave Birmingham with a loss. <laughs> that person. Uh, the original. I think the original tweet was. Um, it might mean too much, or it just means more. But we need to get everybody thinking into the it might mean too much. Right. Um, we need to transition slowly. Be easier for us. Yeah. It would be a lot easier for us because I end up having just to search for um, it just means more when really it might mean too much. So we've got one more for this. Um, I got an email from this uh, from somebody at Arkansas, and uh, the world's largest hog call is going down on Friday afternoon. What was it, our, one, our uh, ex-girlfriends, man? Am I right? <laughs> Sorry. I, I that I'm not an adult. Uh, 1 p.m. Central Time on Friday, the world's largest heart hog call. Uh, go to Arkansas, Razorbacks.com slash one hog call. Basically, what they're asking is all Arkansas fans to stop everything that they're doing and have this one big pig suey. Yeah, that was my hog call. Um, where you're going to just stop everything that you're doing and share all that to social media, and then they're going to play it on the Jumbotron at the game on Saturday, going for a world record here. I, uh, okay, that's a world record? Who uh, has the current world record. world record? I don't know, probably Arkansas fans. Yeah, there let's, you go. Let's, let's be honest. But That's awesome, though, Arkansas fans. It sounds sick. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be all over social media, I'm sure. Uh, we'll get some good videos from that, hopefully, as well. I actually saw one where like two, two little kids are doing it. It's pretty, it's pretty adorable, I'll be honest. But, um, yeah, so Was it Zach Smith's of, little kids? Were they what? Was it Zach Smith's little kids? No, way too soon. Way okay. too soon. Okay, we won't I didn't know. Jokes about Fair that. enough. We had a billion five-star reviews to read. I'm not sure if we're going to get to all of them. I'll try and yeah, read Yeah, we're not. This. Yeah, we're definitely not going to be able to get to all of them. Um, thank you so much. So many people sent in five-star reviews. I am so appreciative of them. I know you are as well. Those, those mean everything. When we see a customized five-star review, it is the ultimate yeah, really is. for us, for our egos. It makes our day. It really, really does. So thank you. Are you going to pick those. out at least one though? We're going to pick out at least one. Yeah. So, um, I've got this one from Jay Hancher. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Subject line, like riding to an away game with best buds. That was nice. This one says, I hope this sounds like the compliments I intend it to be. Listening to these guys talk is like riding around with your best friends to an away game. Itty banter mixed with actual news and analysis. My new favorite pod. Haven't missed an episode since I discovered it. The only thing missing is a red solo cup and some roadside boiled peanuts. I enjoy this on my commute every day. Thank you, Jay Hancher. That is yeah. That is so nice. That, that just that, that tugs at the the heartstrings. That was, that was really good. This one's from uh, Jay Andrews. This is my personal favorite. Great podcast about the general goings on all things SEC football. Lots of knowledge here about the football programs and the conference, and good commentary and humor. One of the hosts, I don't know who it could be. Keeps trying to compare his time in college baseball to situations. Kind of annoying, so four stars instead of five. 
I remember yeah. this one time when uh, I was playing college baseball, I like almost hit a home run and it fell just short. It's like, this is just like that. This is just like that. <laughs> this so, one is from, uh, we've got another one from Auburn War Eagles. Yeah. Um, this says, uh, this podcast is the perfect mixture of funny and football nerd. Thank you. Uh, takes for the most part are well thought out. And even if you disagree, they always have a sound reasoning for how they got there. I just started listening a few months ago and now it's a staple in my list of college football podcasts. P.S. Marler, mayonnaise and mustard are in fact the foundation to all sandwiches. You can just use more ham as bread. Thanks guys. Gross. All right, let's close it out because we've gone on too long. But you know what? That was expected. It's, It's game day. It's game day. We're fired up. We had a lot of stuff to get to. That's perfectly okay. I have no problem with giving all the the, the takes, even if they're not good, according to uh, some reviewers, and making sure that they're well thought out. So no problem going a little bit long today. Thank you guys for, for all those reviews. They are absolutely awesome. Um, make sure that you're watching Facebook Live. We've already talked about the Monday Night Facebook Live, but now, this Saturday, the debut, Uncle Chris, all the gambling advice, Make sure you are heading over to that. It's going to be pretty much, what, 8.30 on, on Saturday morning. So probably Yeah, get a and I've got a big surprise coming for you guys. So Ooh. make sure you tune in. I've got a very big announcement Saturday morning. I'm excited for that. Make sure you're also following us on Instagram at Saturday Down South for Verified Sick Greg. Follow us on Twitter at Pod at SDS at CJ O'Gara. The next time that we talk to you guys, we're going to already have week one. In the books. In the books. I am ready for it. We are so excited. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably just a few short hours until Texas A&M and Northwestern State. It is going to be awesome. What a beautiful, beautiful time of year it is. Marler, what do the people need to remember more than anything else this weekend? Optimism. Hold your arm. Opportunity. It might mean so much. That was... LSU by a million this weekend now. Without a doubt. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week.